Suspend your disbelief. Let yourself be led down a path into the world of the paranormal, where ghosts, shadow people, cryptids, aliens, and all things supernatural dominate. Immerse yourself in a dimension of ominous trepidation with your hosts, Dan, Danny, and Rachel. Welcome to the Phantom Faction Podcast. Welcome to this edition of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Dan. And I'm Rachel. And it's brought to you by Rampage Coffee. Yes. Uh, delicious coffee. It is. Uh, I think Rachel just ordered some. I did. I just sort of just mm-hmm. patiently waiting for it to be delivered now. Well, what's great is that you can get a four-pack sampler, right? Yes. And if you put the word phantom in. That's right. Code word phantom. You get free shipping in Canada. Yep. I think, I think you get free shipping on anything under $10. Right. So... Mugs, yep. and they got all sorts of cool stuff. But it would be cool if people put Phantom yeah, as so the code. That would, that would be very helpful. Friendly. And like, they're, yes, yeah, they, they're, they're great people. They're good nice. people. Yeah. I've had a little bit of interaction with them, and they seem pretty nice. Husband-wife team yeah. from Saskatoon, and they were nice enough to sponsor us. What else is there to do in Saskatoon? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Saskatoon. It's not terrible. Okay. It's a nice place. I have I family there. I apologize yes. if I offended any Saskatoonian rights or whatever their names are. I wonder yeah. if they have a ghost walk. I don't know. Because that's what we're talking about today. All right. Is we have Margot McDonald from uh, Ottawa and Toronto, who is a, a guide for uh, several different ghost walks in Toronto. The Distillery Ghost Walk, the University of Toronto. And what was the other one, Margot? Well, they're all under the Haunted Walk umbrella. So the, the company is the Haunted Walk, but we have several different tours that we offer. So at Black Creek Pioneer Village, we also do one in the Distillery District here in Toronto, the uh, Theatre and Financial District in Toronto. That's the and one. we also do, as you said, the University of Toronto. Right. And how long have you been doing that? I've been working with Haunted Walks for this is my 20th season. Wow. Wow. So you started when you were two years old? Exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. Thank you. <laughs> so what even made you think of uh, applying to do these haunted walks? Well, I've always loved ghost stories. For as long as I can remember, I, you know, I would buy all the books about anything spooky, from the scholastic book sales at school. Um, And my brother told me all kinds of ghost stories. He's just a little older than me. And uh, I think that helped as well. Also In Search Of was on TV when I was growing up. So I watched a lot of Leonard Nimoy looking into things and so on. Um, And uh, so uh, I'm also an actor. So I went and studied theater in the UK. Lots of ghost stories there. Oh, <laughs> when yeah. I came back to Ottawa, I saw that the Haunted Walk was looking for guides. Uh, this was 20 years ago. So <laughs> I just applied, and they're such a great company to work for. And honestly, what is better than telling people ghost stories oh, no in kidding. haunted locations and getting to right. do that research and um, sharing of all these amazing experiences so mm-hmm. I just have never wanted to leave and it's uh it's great it fits in between my theater work and mm-hmm. it's a, yeah it's when match. when I reached out to them uh is it Jim that runs uh, Jim. Yeah. yeah he's the creative yes. director yeah when I reached out to Jim uh he was more than willing and more than happy to help us out and last fall right Danny and I did a tour of uh Black, Black Creek. Creek Pioneer Village and we had one of the gentlemen there 
Uh, Basil. Basil, yeah. that's Basil. right. He yeah. sounds like Count Dracula. <laughs> He's got an amazing voice. Yes. Oh, he does. And, yeah. and if anybody has seen the, the, the new movie My Spy yeah. with uh, Bautista, you know, the big guy from oh, yes. uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, yep. uh, Basil plays one of the terrorists at the beginning. Oh, jeez. And uh, when I watched it, I was like, hey, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I think he was talking about He, he, he was, was talking yeah. about his acting. He was going to be doing Yeah, that. he was really good. He, he dresses up like uh, The Undertaker, like the wrestler yeah. with the hat and everything else. And <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a lot of fun. We had some activity. Too. We, we did. It was, uh, we it heard, was great. We heard footsteps in the gravel outside one of the buildings and the door shut on us. Mm -hmm. uh, the one building, the K2 meter was going crazy. Yeah, right across from the little church there. Yeah. The Mats, yes. The, the Mats, yeah. It went crazy, like our, our meters went crazy in there and yeah. It was and just... there was a ghost hunt in the main mansion, the white building, when you come in on the right. And there was a few ladies who were mm -hmm. collecting themselves on the porch because something came flying off the mantle in front of them so they were <laughs> a little freaked out but it was it was a good night that's right so, and maybe one day we'll have to get down and get miss margo here to take us around yeah so, absolutely so of yeah. all the creek is full of activity yes um i've experienced some strange things there myself yeah now of all the uh the toronto walks which one is your favorite well I mean, Black Creek is the is the creepiest, and oh. you do get to go inside some of the buildings. So it is my favorite one to give because you never know when something might happen. The other three tours we offer in Toronto are all mostly outdoors, and so a little less likely to experience activity, but still some great stories. The distillery, um, it's a combination of the strange activity that people have experienced there and some of the strange history connected with the production of alcohol in the okay. city of Toronto. So you get a bit of a cool history along with the ghost story. So I also love giving that one as well. All right. Well, why don't we start with the distillery and you can tell us uh, one of the more infamous stories. I'm going to tell you my favorite story from the distillery and okay. it's very short. But in a building there um, that now houses Desium, the Abnormal Beauty Company, there used to be, up until just a couple of years ago, for a long time, a Swedish bed company called Hastens. And the staff who worked at Hastens were very uh, interested in the phenomena that kept happening to them. They would swear that they could see these streaks of white or black or gray they suddenly streak past them but only about a foot high off the ground they couldn't explain what it was and then someone started working for them who from time to time would hear the sound of meowing coming from the area when there were no cats to be found anywhere right. and so this led them to realize that they were probably experiencing ghost cats. Mm. Now, why would you have ghost cats in an old building at the distillery? Well, it turns out that this particular building at one time was used as a grain store. And so, of course, where you have huge piles of grain, you're going to have lots of mice eating that grain. And in order to keep the mouse population in check, you would want to keep a large number of cats around as well. And so perhaps these ghost cats are simply still doing their job hunting those ghostly mice even in the afterlife. <laughs> hmm. 
That's yeah, cool. it's very short and very cute. Yeah. <laughs> and it is my favorite little story. Your favorite story. <laughs> well, you know what? I have a ghost cat in my house. Yeah? Do you? Yes, and his name is Blue. Okay. And he was my Aww. cat. And he met the business end of a, a Ford or a, a Chevy. <laughs> Blame it on the and, Ford. And uh, I Jeez. see him all the time. <laughs> oh, so, that's so sweet. Yeah, and just up to uh, a couple weeks ago, I was reading in bed, laying on my side, and I felt something. Mm-hmm. I thought my current alive cat right. jump on the bed, and I looked. There was nothing there, and I was like, "Hmm." Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I, you know, you definitely oh, you feel you, it. You know yep. the, the distinct feeling that a cat has when it jumps on the bed. And uh, then mm-hmm. I got up and I looked around, and my cat was outside. Oh, I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, just coming to see me, and yeah, I knew it was him. So they were. Did they figure out that it was it was ghost cats, and they were pretty good with it after a while? They were pretty good with it after that. The The new staff at Dissium don't seem to be telling us any stories, whether they're experiencing anything or not. That's another question. Right. Well, sometimes but, uh, sometimes when places are renovated too, it, it messes up the energy of the place. Yeah. Maybe the cats are like, well, we'll move along. And So continuing with the distillery, is there any, sure. uh, any uh, you know, macabre <laughs> stories from down there? Because I'm sure during Prohibition days, there would have been, you know, some mm-hmm. shenanigans going on down there. and. There's a restaurant called Arceo uh, in the distillery, a lovely Italian restaurant. And one night a few years ago, there were two staff members closing up by themselves about 2.30 in the morning. One of them went towards the back of the building and into the kitchen. The other one stayed at the front behind the bar. He was polishing the glassware. And out of the corner of his eye, he saw a man dressed in a distinctively 1920s style blue suit with one of those, you know, nice fedora hats. And he saw him walking down the long hallway towards where the restrooms are. Now, of course, the building was locked and they were the only two there, he and his other staff members. So he called out, "Uh, sir, we're closed, but he got no response. He saw the man pass behind a pillar in the hallway, but he never came out the other side. Mm. <laughs> so that was when the bartender went running down the hallway to see what had happened to this man. And of course, there was no one there. He found no evidence of anyone being there. His coworker came up from the back of the building just at that moment, and he had seen no one. The building again was empty. So this staff member was very convinced that he had experienced something paranormal. A little while later, some months later, he was talking to one of the security guards who worked there in the distillery. And this man had worked as a security guard there for a very long time, long before the condos were built and people started living there. It was pretty much used as a film set. It was empty most of the time. The security guard worked there at that time and he was talking to this young bartender about his experiences. And suddenly the bartender told him his story of this man the security guard stopped him and said, I have seen that exact same ghost. He said his experience took place while it was an empty, closed, old uh, Victorian factory, you know, being used as a film set. One night, it was February, freezing cold, the snow was falling from the sky. He was up inside one of the old buildings and just doing his rounds, he looked out one of the windows out onto the empty roadway, except that it wasn't empty. 
There was a man in a distinctive 1920s-style blue suit with a hat just standing there in the snow. First thing the security guard noticed, though, was not so much that the man was wearing old-fashioned clothing, but more that it was a freezing cold, snowy February night, and the man didn't have a, a scarf or gloves or anything like that. So he called down out the window to the man and asked if he needed help. The man didn't seem to hear him, so the security guard ran down the stairs and out into the roadway. The man was gone. He couldn't find any trace of him, not even any footsteps in the freshly fallen snow. Now, the reason we find this sighting of this particular man in this 1920s style suit uh, interesting is that, of course, the 1920s was a very uh, tricky time for some, some place like the distillery that made alcohol because, of course, prohibition was in effect at that time. The original owners of the distillery, the Goodrums, sold it at that time to a man named Harry C. Hatch. Now, Harry wasn't going to let a little thing like laws stop him from making a uh, profit from alcohol, and so he started rum running. He was known to have a, a fleet of fast fishing boats and a, and a number of men gangsters who served as Hatch's Navy, and they would illegally distribute alcohol up and down the shores of Lake Ontario, both on the Canadian and American side. But the thing is, this was extremely dangerous work, and a lot of these men lost their lives in the pursuit of making riches from the illegal distribution of alcohol. And they would have to try to outrun the American and Canadian Coast Guards. They would often come afoul of bitter weather out on the Great Lakes. Uh, but not only that, they had to fight against other rum runners or gangsters who were trying to take over the area. So it's our theory that this man in this distinctive 1920s-style suit is one of Hatch's Navy, who lost his life, perhaps now lies at the bottom of Lake Ontario. Hmm. I need a bowl of popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going like, yeah. You got us all just staring yeah. at you. Like, uh, it's almost like you told that story before. Jeez. Yeah. I, I, drop. I yeah. can certainly tell your acting experience uh, through, through those. Well, it does help with the storytelling. That's but right. yeah. you know, I think what helps more than anything is that I personally find all of this just really fascinating. Right. Um, I do actually get excited when we find uh, some explanation or evidence for these stories or, you know, are told about, say, the sighting of this man from one person and then hear the same story from someone else. And it's, it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So you're obviously a believer in the spirits and the paranormal, right? Yeah, I mean, I do. Um, I... Have you had an I, experience in your own, in your, you know, your past that led you up to this as well? Um, I have, I... I have had some experiences. I, I'm just as interested in parapsychology as I am in, in paranormal, and I'm, I uh, love exploring both sides of the, of the equation and looking at, you know, um, are the hauntings caused solely by spirits of the dead? Are there sometimes other factors, other things going on? And I, I find the constant study and the constant searching um, the exciting part. Um, I haven't had what most people would describe as anything um, really extreme or significant. Over the years, I've had a bunch of experiences that I have not been able to explain. Um, 
and I'm constantly waiting for, you know, to be able to see a full body apparition or something like that. Um, But I guess uh, more than anything, I've just had a desire to have uh, more experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, But over the years with haunted walks, there have been a number of, of things. I could tell you about my my very first significant experience with the haunted walks, if you like. Sure. Mm-hmm. So this happened in Ottawa, and it was my very first summer working for the haunted walks. Now in Ottawa, there's a building down alongside the Rideau Canal, and it's called the Bytown Museum. It talks about the early life in old Ottawa, or Bytown, as it was originally called, and the building of the canal. It is one of our most haunted locations. And this is where I had my first kind of, uh, well, ghostly experience, the experience that I could not explain. So late one August night, we were having a staff meeting. After the staff meeting, we had planned for an activity and the activity was that we were all going to go back to the Bytown Museum and in the audiovisual display room we were going to watch that movie The Sixth Sense. I think you probably know this movie right. but about the little boy who sees who sees the spirits of the dead. That was me growing up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard your stories and yes. uh, yeah. yeah. So that's exactly, you know, the sort of experience that I I didn't have growing up, but I'm fascinated by people who do. Well, okay, so we were going to have this spooky movie in this haunted building, but um, unfortunately, as it got closer to the time for the activity, most people backed out of the plan, and so we decided to cancel the activity. Um, But as we're closing the meeting, it's now about quarter past 11 at night, Uh, Glenn, who's the owner of Haunted Walks, um, realized he was still going to have to go down to the Bytown Museum because he needed to set the security alarm. The staff had locked up for the night, but they didn't bother setting the alarm because they knew we were going to be there later. But, you know, he didn't really like the idea of going all the way down, walking there in the dark, down to this very haunted building by himself. So he asked if any volunteers would please go with him. (laughs) So I said, yes, I would definitely go. And another one of our tour guides at the time, whose name is Emily, and her mom, who had just come and was waiting to take her daughter home, we somehow convinced her to come with us. And so the four of us go all the way down alongside the canal, unlock the door, get inside this haunted building. And we decide instead of doing the alarm right away that we would take a little trip through the building as we hadn't been in for a while. And we went through the whole place, all the way down into the vault, the very lowest level, all the way up through all the floors. We were on the very top floor looking at perhaps the strangest item they have in the museum. It's Darcy McGee's death hand. Now, this is another story, but this is a politician who was assassinated in Ottawa who, after he died, they couldn't take a traditional Victorian death mask because of the damage to his face from where he was shot. So they took one of his hand instead, and that's in the museum on the top floor. So of course we went up to see it. We're up on the top floor looking at Darcy's hand, and Glenn decides it's time we should go. So he starts down the stairs, and I follow behind him. The other two women are behind me. But I get down the stairs from the third floor onto the second floor, and I see Glenn over standing at the top of the stairs leading down to the main floor, only he is frozen in place. And I ask him what's wrong. He points down the stairs, and he says, okay, I swear. 
I just heard some footsteps walking up these stairs towards me. And I thought about it and realized, yeah, well, you know what, I'd heard that same sound. They hadn't really thought anything of it because I just assumed it was an echo from the women coming down the stairs above us, right? So we go back and we look up the stairs and we see that they have actually not moved. They're still standing where we left them, reading a display at the top of the stairs. So then we tried different experiments to try to figure out what caused the sound. And when we couldn't find any explanation for it, we decided it was time to leave. So we all went <laughs> running down to the main floor. Glenn goes off over into the corner where the alarm pad was so that he could punch in the code. And the other three of us stood just inside the front door. And uh, Glenn goes over to the corner and he points to a security monitor behind the counter and he says, okay, keep an eye on that. If you see anything move in the other room, like, you let me know, we're out of here. He goes over and slides the door, this wooden sliding door shut between that room that the video monitor was covering and the room that we're in. And he's kind of standing there. He couldn't quite remember the code, so he's thinking for a moment. And, he, you know, we all went quiet so that he could think. And as soon as we all were quiet, I clearly heard the sound of footsteps walking across the second floor above our heads. It was a very distinct sound of heavy booted feet walking across a wooden floor coming from as if from the top of the stairs and towards us. And it was like, <laughs> so, you know, just, wow. I'm standing there thinking, okay, <laughs> like, don't panic. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, it could just be my imagination. Uh, so I decide I'll peek at Emily, who's standing next to me, to see if she looks like she's heard anything. And I don't say anything, but I just kind of look over at her, only to see that she is standing there, staring at the ceiling with her hands up in the air, like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what is that? And I, she looks at me, and I look at her, we look over at her mother, and her mother is seriously frozen with fear. She can't move. And the three of us are just looking each other like okay we all heard that what's going on when all of a sudden from over in the corner where Glenn is now bear in mind we couldn't quite see him because there's a big wooden pillar with a display case on it in the middle of the room between us but we hear him say uh hey did you all just see that <laughs> and we were like see what and our hand just was already on the door we just slammed the crash bar and got out of there as fast as possible and all i could hear was glenn going no don't leave me you, you can't leave me here alone honestly he was so scared that wow. he could not move now he tells me that i ran back in and got him i don't quite remember doing it but i went back in got him outside and when we all calmed down enough to talk about it we realized of course that glenn had not had the same experience that we had had. The three of us standing just inside the front door had all heard that exact same sound of these footsteps walking across the second floor. But uh, Glenn had not heard that sound. But that was probably only because he was far too distracted by the sight of the solid wood sliding door in front of him, which he had just closed himself, beginning to shake. <laughs> shake yeah. faster and then faster and faster wow. and faster, just as if there was someone on the other side pushing at it, like, you know, like that. But, but we know for certain there was no one left in the building, you know, hiding or playing tricks or anything like that, because for one thing, 
I did keep my eye on that video monitor for Glenn that whole time, and nothing ever moved in the room on the other side of that door. Mm. Secondly, at that point, we realized we still had not set the security alarm. So Glenn and I <laughs> ran back into the building where we set the alarm very quickly and efficiently and got back outside, locked the door. But we stayed in the area for a good half hour or more before heading home because the alarm system in the museum are motion detectors, which go off whenever anything moves inside once they're set. But those motion detectors did not go off in the whole half hour or so that we were standing right near the building. And in fact, they did not go off that entire night. Mm. So that's how, that's how I had my first unexplainable uh, experience of activity in a haunted building. <laughs> and you moved to Toronto the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I moved to Toronto about 15 years later. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I have had uh, other small experiences in that building since, and I've definitely had some odd experiences, uh, particularly at Black Creek here in Toronto. Right. Now, uh, the University of Toronto has tons of old buildings, and I... Yeah. And I as far as I know, it used to have its own cemetery as well. And I think that it was it was moved like a long, long time ago for office buildings and condos and other you know facilities. Um, are there any are there any stories connected to Sultan Street, downtown Toronto? It doesn't ring a bell, but that doesn't mean there isn't. It okay. just means it's not one that I'm currently Because with. a long, long time ago, um, I used to be a mobile director for a security company mm -hmm. and mm. it was in like some of our contracts were within you know walking and spitting distance of the University of Toronto buildings and I think it was a building on Sultan Street where we had the hardest time keeping staff because mm. guys would be terrified of working in this building and it was a nice building like you know it had a mezzanine that you could look up and see the different levels and they had a, like a bar in the lobby with like beer taps and all sorts of stuff. But the one night I was there, uh, I was talking to the security guard for the for the the night, and we saw this big black cloaked figure fly out of one of the mezzanines levels and into one of, go through one of the other walls. And I was like, well, have a good night, see yeah. you later. <laughs> and he was like, please don't leave me, right? But they used to have so many different things happen in this building. And like I said, hard to keep staff because they all got scared out of there. But I was told, like the legend has it, mm -hmm. that the uh, university cemetery was on that ground or in and around that area. And, and it's not something I've ever looked into, but mm -hmm. I, thought, I thought maybe you might have some insight into that. Well, I'm telling you right now that I am in the midst of writing this down, <laughs> okay. and I am going to do some research into it. And if I find anything out, I'll let you know. Awesome. Thanks for the tip. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm trying to remember the uh, the one building. If you if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to get into the, the university, yeah. Uh, stories here. I'm going to look up something as you guys go. Alright. Because I have an address I, uh, that I'd like to ask about. I do want to ask you, of course, you know, Canada being so big on hockey and the Hockey Hall of Fame right downtown in Toronto and there's got to be stories there. And I know there's a story there and people Listen, always talk about it. there's a great story from there. Mm -hmm. can, can you tell us about that? Can you share that one? 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So the building that is currently the Hockey Hall of Fame is on the corner of uh, Young Street and Front Street. It's a beautiful building. It's actually a bank. It was the Bank of Montreal that was built in 1885. The best thing about it is that although it's now converted to become part of the Hockey Hall of Fame, um, they've kept a lot of the beautiful interior decoration that is original to this wonderful Victorian bank. It's also very haunted. <laughs> now, it was haunted even when it was a bank. The staff would complain that windows would close or open by themselves, same with the lights and doors, but they would have work on their desk, go away for a few minutes, come back and find it was completely in disarray and so on. But the staff especially began to complain about the women's washroom on the second floor. The women who would work at the bank and use this washroom, uh, it's still there and still used as a public washroom now, by the way. They would complain that they would have very uncomfortable feeling in there, being watched. Sometimes they would hear a scream um, and so on. Well, eventually the women who worked in the bank said that they refused to use that washroom anymore and the bank was forced to build a new staff washroom for the women uh, in the basement because the basement was somehow less scary to be, oh. to the employees than using that particular washroom on the second floor. And I will tell you just as a little sidebar that we were one year given permission to bring some of our uh, Halloween tours into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And I was telling a story to my group uh, in a side room when one of the gentlemen from my tour went to use the men's washroom, which is just beside that woman's washroom. While he was there, we heard a scream, a, definitely a female scream. He came running back in. His face was as pale as a white sheet. And he said, what was that? <laughs> and we said, "What? well, what did you hear? And he said he was in the washroom washing his hands and he heard a piercing scream from the room next door. He knocked on that door when he came out, no one was there. And well, there you go, just a little sidebar. <laughs> but it turns out that when the bank closed, it was started to be renovated to become the Hockey Hall of Fame. And the workmen who were doing the conversion also experienced all kinds of strange activity as well. Some of them put down their tools and refused to return and so on. <laughs> But when the staff of the Hockey Hall of Fame moved into the building, it was very clear that the ghosts had not left because they began experiencing the same sorts of things that the bank employees had experienced. But oh, the most interesting experience of all was had by a little boy who was brought by his family to tour through the Hockey Hall of Fame. And he was so excited to see all of that sports memorabilia. And he was having a great time running up and down through the displays. At one point, his family came around the corner to find him standing perfectly still in this hallway. And he was looking down the hall, this odd expression on his face. They asked him what was wrong. He just kind of looked up at them and pointed down the hallway and said, well, don't you see it? Well, they couldn't see anything. But the little boy went on to describe in great detail a woman with long, dark hair, very 
attractive young lady who was walking in and out of the wall all the way down the hallway. (laughs) Now, as it turns out, he unknowingly described perfectly a former bank employee who worked there in the 1950s. Now, her name was Dorothy. And she was known to be everybody's favorite. You know, she was bubbly and, uh, and kind, and everyone was always happy to see her, which is why it was odd on one particular morning when a staff member noticed she had arrived very early for work, but she looked disheveled and unhappy. This employee noticed that at some point, Dorothy went up to the woman's washroom on the second floor but didn't really notice that she hadn't returned. Several hours later, another female bank employee went up to use the washroom and found Dorothy lying in a pool of blood on the bathroom floor. She had shot herself with the revolver that the bank kept for emergencies, in case of you know, being held up. And she died in St. Michael's Hospital a couple days later. Now, no one knows today for sure why Dorothy took her own life, but the rumors at the time suggested she was having an affair with a married bank manager who at the time kept an apartment at the upper level of the bank. They used to do that kind of thing. It suggested that perhaps he had broken things off with her the night before or refused to leave his wife for her one final fight or something. But what we do know is that it seems Dorothy is now forever trapped in the place where her heart was broken. In the Hockey Hall of Fame. <laughs> Love it. Poor Dorothy. <laughs> That's Poor right. Dorothy, indeed. Yes. Uh, we'll take a brief break and uh, be back with Margaret. You got more stories for us, and uh, we'll talk about Ottawa, Toronto, and everywhere else. You're listening to Phantom Faction Podcast. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com. Are you tired of stale grocery store coffee? Mm-hmm. Then you need to check out Rampage Coffee. It's roasted fresh to order and delivered to your doorstep anywhere in Canada and the United States. It's delicious, and they have a high-caffeine blend called C4 that will blast you out of your morning slippers. Oh, wow. Get free shipping in Canada on their sampler bundle to try all four of their fantastic blends using the code PHANTOM. Go to rampagecoffee.com today. You're listening to Phantom Faction Podcast with your hosts, Dan, Danny, and Rachel. We are back, and uh, Margot joins us from uh, Haunted Walks, which is throughout, can I say Canada or Ontario, or what are we? Uh, Ontario, on, yes, yeah. we give tours in Ottawa, Toronto, and Kingston, Ontario. The company's around 30 years old now. They originally started in Kingston, expanded to Ottawa, and then to Toronto. Well. So, if you're doing a little touring around Ontario, be sure to check them out. Hauntedwalk.com is where you can find everything, including our podcast. We also have a podcast yes. called Haunted Talk. Oh, the, uh, and, uh, I had no idea. My first yeah. uh, my first experience with uh, Haunted Walks was uh, a vacation to Kingston uh, just a couple of years ago. And yeah. uh, I had no intentions at the time that it was going to, like we were just going to Kingston to see what it was like. And uh, then it was like, yeah, we we could take that haunted walk tour, and uh, we did that. Um, and yeah, I just I found the whole town like just the story, hearing the stories, 
it's just a haunting place. And they embrace that now uh, in Kingston. Yes. You know, it's it's like, yes, go on our, our haunted walks, you know. And, uh, it's a beautiful city, too. It is a beautiful city. But the old buildings and even the building that Haunted Walks is in, an old hotel, is just gorgeous. I would have loved to see more of that place. but. <laughs> and haunted. Oh, is it? Yeah. I know the little bar, and when I walked in that little bar, I felt so heavy. I was like, oh man, you know, we were looking for for the entrance for the haunted walk. See, it wasn't quite open yet, so, but the guy at the bar was like, yeah, have a seat if you want. And I'm like, well, I don't know, this is kind of freaky, this place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. had that feeling there too. They, yeah. The entire city of Kingston, well, for one thing, yes, they have totally embraced it. Now as you're driving on the highway into town, you know where they have those signs that tell you what attractions you can find. So there's like, mm -hmm. there's a museum, there's water skiing, there's the ghost talk of, you know, the yeah. haunted walks of Kingston with the yeah. little ghost symbol on the sign. So be sure to look for that when <laughs> nice. you're uh, heading into yeah. Kingston. The, but the interesting thing about Kingston, it's, first of all, it's its history is much bloodier and, and darker than, say, Ottawa, where, where I started doing tours. So a lot of the stories there are bloodier and darker as well. Um, but the entire city, or the old part, a lot of those old buildings are made of limestone mm -hmm. and you know that a lot of people have a theory that limestone is really good at holding on to energy yeah, we've, maybe we've discussed that energy. many many times yeah well and Kingston's known as the limestone city right that's right, right? Yeah. so even the uh, the prison there was made out of limestone right but even the prison yeah, yeah. and the uh, old Fort Henry where we offer tours as well mm. um, is also made out of limestone and it's surrounded by water on three sides and uh, all of this uh, kind of contains or encourages I think the activity that's in town perhaps uh, so so many people have suggested and I think right. it's a pretty good working theory. I, I was impressed with the uh, I guess it was the the old city hall and the parking lot that they had in behind where they used to hang people and uh, and there was a house with that? Uh, yeah <laughs> and the house across the street that it actually built a tower so the uh, the lady that lived in there could actually go up for the viewing of the hanging. I thought well, that was an incredible yeah. story, right? But uh, What a selling point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, the prison no longer exists. Yeah, it's just this parking lot now. There's yeah. um, there's maybe, you know, one part of what used to be the governor's mansion, so where the head warden of the prison would live, is, uh, is there. And then it's all parking lot. Mm -hmm. But... Um, but when they were tearing that prison down, they did find a body buried in the wall hmm. um, that looks like had uh, been hanged or killed. That wow. um, was like in a coffin, but buried in the wall. Mm -hmm. And no one knows who that was, <laughs> well, but geez. they were seeing his ghost for, for his ghost for years before the body was ever found. Mm -hmm. The parking lot still has a weird feeling about it, even yeah. to me. You know, yeah, even if you don't hear the story, you're just walking through there, you kind of stop, it feels like you're walking through through a wall sometimes, mm -hmm. and then yeah, you look up and there's this little little widow's walk up on the house with a little glass viewing window that looked directly across to where the hanging window, uh, they didn't do them outdoors like they did in Ottawa, but it's like um, you could see through the window of the prison into where the person was being hanged, and that widow's uh, walk, a uh, little viewing window, gave 
her the chance to look directly across to the hangings. Most of those widow walks, widow's walks, sorry, uh, look yeah. out to the water because they're meant to be like, is my husband's or son's yeah, uh, coming ship in, yeah. coming home? You know, that's why they're called widow's walks. But this one was made purposefully to look at the hangings. So that just gives you one small wow. idea of how dark some of the stories <laughs> can get. No kidding. Yeah. Margot, before we got started on the podcast, you and I were talking a little bit about a friend of mine who was a, uh, he's a retired uh, University of Toronto police officer, and he's a, a bit of a scaredy cat when it comes to the paranormal stuff, but uh, I'm just going back through my messages here, and he was telling me, University College and one Spadina Crescent are haunted like crazy, and he also said 45 Walmer Road. Now, are any of those locations on your on your walk? Uh, co university colleges, for sure. Do you okay. know the famous uh, famous story from no, there? No, you're going to tell us. Uh, Stonemasons. <laughs> no. Oh, um, let me tell it to you. <laughs> so this is a very well known story. Basically, if you're going to find any collection of ghost stories about Toronto, you're going to find a version of this story. But we tried to go back to. Um, you know, the earliest ones we could find or the one, the versions of it that were repeated most often. But essentially, uh, when University College was, um, well, let's, let's start, let's start not at the beginning. So in the 1800s, there was a student who was hurrying back to his dorm at University College on the University of Toronto campus, and it's a freezing cold night, and he was hurrying along, and he looks over and he sees this big bearded man sitting on the steps of the tower of the University College, and, and he kind of stops and talks to him and says, you know, aren't you freezing, and so on, and uh, finds out the man is, uh, is, is Russian, and uh, he says, look, come back to my room, warm up by the fire, and I'll, I have a bit of whiskey, we, we, we can chat some more. So the student brings this uh, Russian man back to his rooms, gives him a glass of whiskey, and the man says to him, Listen, I'm, I'm so glad that you've invited me back. I want to tell you my story because I died on this night, you know, like 50 years ago, something <laughs> like that. And, of course, the student is just, you know, astonished. What did I invite The man tells on? his story. <laughs> yeah. The man tells his story and then vanishes. And, but the student sees that the, the glass of whiskey still has had some of the whiskey um, drank from it, been drank from it. So the story is that, you know, this Russian was a, came over to be a stonemason to work on building the University of Toronto buildings. He was put to work on the, on the tower of University College. And uh, right away, he met this man who was Greek. Uh, his name is Paul, and um, and he said, uh, you know, they became great friends, such really good friends, uh, such good friends that a few months after meeting and working beside this man, the Russian Ivan introduced his beautiful young fiance to this uh, this fellow stonemason Paul, but then he immediately started becoming suspicious and jealous that Paul and his 
the Russian's fiance liked each other a little bit too much. <laughs> and after a little while, he became obsessed with the idea that they were having an affair behind his back. And so this is in the 1850s, by the way, that this was happening. So he one day followed them and he saw them sitting on a park bench, holding hands. And so he picked up an ax and he chased after the, the man, Paul, and he chased him and Paul ran, he ran so fast all the way to University College. He managed to go inside a door and slam a wooden door shut just in time for Ivan to throw his ax. The ax became embedded in the wooden door. The door is still there. You can still see the ax mark in the old wood of the door. Well, Ivan pulled the door open ran. He saw Paul run towards the tower, run into the top of the tower. Ivan follows him. He runs all the way up the tower, all the way up, 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 up. He gets to the very top. He can't find Paul anywhere. He's looking all around. He looks over the edge of the tower when suddenly he is hit from behind, thrown over the edge of the tower, he falls all the way to his death at the bottom of the tower. At which point he said, Paul, the Greek stonemason buried Ivan's body at the base of the tower. No one ever noticed because it was a construction site at the time and they eventually grasped it over and Paul, you know, said, oh, he disappeared, you know. And the story was not known until about 40, 50 years later when this University of Toronto student met the ghost of Ivan on the steps of University College. Now, of course, uh, the next day, the student went around telling all his friends this incredible experience that he had had and the story that he'd been told of the death of this Russian stonemason. And everyone teased him as having had too much to drink and perhaps losing his mind uh, over studying for his exams. And so the student became determined to prove that it was not just his imagination. And he went through some of the archives of the university and he found a photograph that showed the crew who had worked on building University College. And sure enough, there in the photograph, was a big bearded man and a smaller man beside him and the names that were written, Paul and Ivan, and they were stonemasons in the 1850s. Now, he couldn't really prove the rest of the story, but sometime later uh, in the late 1880s on Valentine's Day, Somebody careless with a lantern uh, dropped it and it smashed and the uh, tower of University College burned uh, and toppled to the ground. When they were taking that rubble away and rebuilding a tower there, they found some human bones buried beside the base of the tower as well as a belt buckle. A lot of people today are convinced that this story is true and that those were the remains of Ivan, the Russian stonemason who had been killed by Paul all that time ago, and the ghost story that happened to the student in the 1880s. Well, well. I love it. There you go. Very cool. When you uh, research these stories, uh, well, <coughs> certainly all of you that do the tours have to do your research. Um, and where do you find a lot of this research? Is it the archives in Toronto or? Yeah. Yes, we do. Uh, we do a few different types of, of research. Um, 
It is, uh, we're always looking to tie the stories to history as well. Um, we, we don't tell very many stories that would be considered just um, legends or, you know, uh, or, uh, you know, today creepypasta or like those <laughs> stories, those, uh, those stories that just get handed down and handed down. There's no real evidence for them. So if we do find a story like that, we try to see if we can find any um, background that would make the story more convincing. Um, so we do a lot of research, yes, in the Toronto archives, uh, especially when we're dealing with things like the prisons, all of those prison records for the old jail in Ottawa, as well as the one in Kingston and so on, um, would be found in the archives. And we look through old books and, uh, and sometimes find sources online through newspapers and so on that we can then search out elsewhere. But the number one way that we try to get our ghost stories, especially somewhere like Black Creek uh, Pioneer Village or the historic distillery district and so on, is that we go out and we just go door to door and we actually interview the people who live and work or have worked in these places. And so a lot of the stories that you hear on the Haunted Walk in any of our cities come from those first-hand accounts. Um, we try to get as many of those as possible. And we also try not to include stories that have only one witness um, or, or at least don't seem to have any other proof to, to help back up the story. We try, to, we try to include the ones that we find difficult to explain. Mm -hmm. and uh and try to include the history um so you get a little bit of the of the history of the town of, or the area of whichever walk you choose to come on with the haunted walks um but you also get the great uh ghost stories and uh and we like the dark history especially of course mm. Mm -hmm. Spooky stuff. Mm. <laughs> great. Yeah. Well, you certainly tell a great story. I'll tell you that much. So Rachel, oh, are you picking up you. anything? <laughs> no, I'm just ready to curl up and have a nap. I'm, I had my bedtime story. <laughs> Good now. <laughs> usually, usually Rachel picks up on the stuff with the guests now. So uh, we're sitting there thinking, oh, maybe she's getting something. <laughs> she's picking up on something, or so. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So you are. Um, you have many locations. Yes. Uh, can you list the locations for us? So, the Haunted Walk uh, gives tours in Ottawa, Kingston, and Toronto. Mm -hmm. Here in Toronto, we do tours at the Historic Distillery District. We do um, Secrets and Spectres of the Campus. That's the University mm -hmm. of Toronto tour. We do the Ghosts of Black Creek Pioneer Village. And we do the original Haunted Walk of Toronto, which is the one that goes through the financial and theatre district. That's the one that includes the Hockey Hall of Fame story, for example. So in Ottawa, we have a couple of different tours as well. And in Kingston, we do a, the original Haunted Walk of Kingston, which is the one that you were on, Danny. And then there is also the one that goes through Old Fort Henry, which I also uh, highly recommend along with all of our tours. But the Old Fort Henry one... Uh, when I was on that tour one time, the door behind my tour guide slammed shut and then couldn't we couldn't get it open for several minutes. So uh, there is an active poltergeist in the old Fort Henry and uh, you might want to check that out. Of course, with the Halloween season coming up, I mean, we offer tours most of the year round, except in extreme weather. But um, we've got a lot of special event uh, tours available um, just in time for the spooky Halloween season for us that goes from the end of September 
or through the beginning of November. So you do have lots of chances to check it out. Our tours are very safe right now. We, we, uh, we keep the group small, socially distanced. Uh, when we're physically distanced, uh, when we're out on the tours, you wear masks if we go inside any of the buildings and all the safety precautions are in place. So don't be shy. It's a great way to get out of your house to do something fun and entertaining. And you can book a tour uh, with your bubble group and come on and, uh, and hear mm -hmm. some stories and see some things that you might not have seen before. Yeah, and that's what I, what I think. And being on the tour, it is so interesting to actually, like we hear the stories from you right now, but if you're listening out there, you should go on one of these tours because you actually get to see the buildings uh, you, and get, you get the vibes. Yeah, too, you get right? the vibes from it and uh, hear the stories, the history of the building. And, you know, I love history, so you get a lot of history off of, of your group leader there. So so I think, uh, yeah, anybody that's out there listening, like, take take one of the tours. It's uh, absolutely an incredible uh, time. I think, I think most cities have their own haunted walks now too, right? Like. I mean, Fergus has one, Alora has one. Yeah, yeah. Guelph, uh, I think Guelph might have one, I'm not too sure. Do you know if there's any uh, expansion that may be going on for... We occasionally do what we call the Haunted Walk Experience, which we do, um, which we do tours uh, in other locations that are not one of our regular cities. So for example, we do tours at Upper Canada Village when it's open. We do mm -hmm. the Mackenzie King Estate in the Gatineau Hills and sometimes Gananoque and so on. There are a bunch of other little companies out there doing little walks, especially at Halloween. So I'm sure you can just Google as well. But um, of course, I'm rather fond of the haunted walks. <laughs> They've been yeah. around for a long time and we have, uh, we have, um, so, so many tours that it would take you all season just to catch all of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, you as taking people around, do you ever get that uh, one person that's a skeptic and just doesn't want to believe in anything and mouths off to you or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> We do definitely get skeptics, you know, often um, there'll be a group of people who, you know, some of them are like, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. And then someone gets dragged along. I don't want to say it's always a, a dad, but sometimes yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and what's good about our tours is you don't have to believe in order to enjoy the tour. Everyone yeah. loves a good story. Mm -hmm. It's great to be out in the dark and seeing some beautiful old buildings. Um, so even if you don't believe, you're still going to have a good time. So sometimes we'll see these these folks kind of start with their arms folded and kind of from 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 and yeah. they may ask you some pointed questions. But then as it goes along, they realize you're not asking anything of them. We mm -hmm. don't we don't demand that anyone believe or not believe. Um, just come, listen. Yeah. Keep an open mind and allow yourself see what happens. You know. Right. And so that's that's. That's us. That's kind of the motto of the company. It's like, we love these stories. We love to share them. We're interested in, in all the different types of things that seem to happen to folks. And we just want to share them and some of the history that we all love. Right. I uh, actually, I said that my first experience with Haunted Walks was Kingston, but it's actually Ottawa a number of years ago. And I do remember going to, I don't know the name of the place, but it was a jail. Um, Oh, the hostel. The hostel it, now, it's, yeah. It's now the, the hostel. It's the old Carleton County Jail. Right. But it is a hostel. Yeah. Um, and has been since one year after it closed. 
1973. Yeah, I just uh, remember going in there and um, the very narrow cells that they had there and I actually got in one and I don't know whether it was paranormal or not but I'm trying to take a picture and my batteries went totally dead and I had just uh, charged them before I had uh, left so yep that happens in that jail all the time in fact yeah. film crews come of course every Halloween to try to film spooky things and mm -hmm. ghost investigation groups have come through and they all complain the same thing as well as people on tours um yeah, it's it's a good one. It's, yeah, it seems uh, since the you know the pandemic and I guess like less people there and our tours not going through for a while, the ghosts seem to have become a bit more active again. I've been hearing reports from our tour guides doing that tour that uh, strange things are happening with their groups on the tours. So it's a good time to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely road trip. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Do yeah. It. And uh, yeah, I just, I remember that and then going around to the other cells and uh, then into the stairway where they used to do the hangings as well. Yeah. And you can still see the, where they used to hang people. Then you go outside and you could see the hanging chamber. And I, yes. That was really yeah. freaky. But. We need to bring hangings back. <laughs> just for the ghost stories. Yeah, right? just for the ghost stories, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, <laughs> but, like, but that's one thing I really remember about that tour and uh, but yeah yeah so I guess yeah it was... definitely a creepy place there there have been lots of experiences had by our tour guides and guests of the hostel but also guests on our on our tours as well um, and uh, we you know sometimes you have to walk back up through by yourself and and lock up mm -hmm. and we have heard like when I say we, I mean me and various guides have heard footsteps walking down the empty hallway by the cells. Um, you've seen the cell doors, those gated uh, or sorry, barred gates that close the front of the cells, still the original ones, uh, will kind of slowly open on their own or slam shut by themselves. And uh, mm -hmm. people have been touched. They hear noises. Um, there's all kinds of stories um, from cool. the jail. Yeah. Um, just our personal experiences, let alone the bigger ones that we tell on the tours. Right. Do you miss Ottawa? I do, I do. Mm -hmm. There's lots to like about Toronto, but uh, you know, I moved here for love and <laughs> <laughs> be with my partner. Um, but I love Ottawa. It's, uh, it's a beautiful town and uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's got a lot of great history, a lot of great ghost stories, but um, it's a very mm -hmm. walkable city. You can walk everywhere uh, as well. And yeah. uh, I do miss it, especially right now, because I haven't been able to be there in the past right. five months. I usually go and do some tours there uh, a couple of times a season just to keep my hand in and, uh, you know, visit friends and family while I'm there right. too. But Any stories you know, of the, the parliament buildings? Uh, any, any stories about them? You know, the thing about the Parliament buildings is we'll often get people on the tours saying, oh, my cousin slash friend slash whoever is, mm -hmm. was a security guard or secretary, about, you know, the old word for them back in the day. And, the, you know, they'll say, they told me that this or that the tunnels, you know, that connect them underground are haunted or, but whenever we try to track down the stories, it generally comes up against a wall of like, oh, we can't tell you. Right. That um, the most famous 
ghost story from the Parliament buildings is actually Sir John A. Macdonald himself. No. And, uh, <laughs> after he died, he apparently came back to give advice to the next uh, sitting Prime Minister about what he thought that he should do with, <laughs> with the country and so on. Um, and I don't think his advice was appreciated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. For anybody listening who doesn't know, he was our first prime minister. Right. So. Oh, yes. Oh. yes. Yeah. So Sir yes. Johnny Macdonald was the very first prime minister of the country of Canada. Mm-hmm. And yes, a, right. a notorious drunk as well. Yeah. Um, it, uh, but that's a different story. Uh, the funny and disturbing stories about Sir Johnny Macdonald we uh, we don't tell on the ghost <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. to take us out to a pub and we leave, we leave those skeletons in the closet, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, when I was in Kingston, we uh, we made a tour there to the the graveyard where he's buried, and uh, yeah, yeah, um, and that that was some fascinating stories out of that graveyard as well. Uh, even just with the the bells that they used to hook up to the coffins and you can actually see the bells like I thought that was just uh, folklore that they'd hook bells up just in case the person was still alive that was buried alive and ring the bell right but I was (laughs) I I would have been freaked out if that bell would have rang Wow, so they yeah. still have ones there that you can actually see. I didn't know that. Yeah, I yeah, knew about the bells, but yeah. Yeah, there's oh, a I'll there's a couple come. on 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 that little roadway there that you can drive around and uh, that are actually they're sort of fenced off, sort of, but you can see the the string and the bell and all that kind of stuff. So I just hope they don't. Oh ring. yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> if they would have rang, I would have got out of there really quick. But <laughs> get me out of here. Yeah. That's creepy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I got to thank you for joining us. This was great. Yeah, it was cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. It was really fun to talk to you, and uh, I l- love listening to your podcast. Well, thank, thank you. For that. Thank you for having me. Well, on. maybe we'll have to come down and get you to take us on a tour one night. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, that'd be really um, cool. Just uh, give us a shout. Yeah, yeah. All right. and that would be good. Margot McDonald of The Haunted Walks. That's Moral. right. <laughs> and listen to their Moral. podcast. Haunted Talks. Haunted Talk. Haunted yeah. Talk. <laughs> so, yeah. Haunted Talks is the podcast. Right? Cool. You can get it wherever podcasts are, and you can uh, check out our website, hauntedwalk.com. Very cool. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you. you so much. And Thanks. we'll uh, hopefully we'll have you on again to tell more stories. I'd love to. Anytime. There you go. Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com.